Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Chicago's no stranger to art. World-class museums aside, you can turn almost any corner in this city and find incredible public art. You know, murals on the sides of buildings that everyone can see and enjoy free of charge. So today we're celebrating the city's vibrant and rich culture of public art. Joining us now is Robert Hergath. He's an investigative reporter at the Chicago Sun-Times, and he's also a mural enthusiast, writing the paper's weekly newsletter that highlights artists and their work across the Chicagoland area. Bob, when we say public art, what exactly do we mean? Uh, well, I I thought I knew. I mean, at first this started out with just me driving around and noticing there were more murals. And um, so I kind of started this project with that in mind, and it's really kind of blossomed into something much more. I mean, it's uh, it's mosa- you know it's mosaics as well, um, which are little generally little bits of maybe glass or anything that are kind of uh, assorted into imagery. And uh, also we've been kind of getting more into sculptures and monuments and statues as well. And also it's graffiti art, although some would argue that that <laughs> and have to me forcefully that that's not art, but uh, you know it certainly is in my mind. Yeah, um, y- yeah. There's been some confusion and. Uh, evolution over the years. I, clarify the relationship between graffiti and murals. Well, I mean, the way, I mean, I think different people can define it different ways, but the way I look at it is if there's a painting on the wall, I call it a mural. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's in graffiti style, and sometimes that's something more ornate and, you know, uh, with characters or this or that. And sometimes there's a blend. Yeah. We've had you on the show before, Bob, to talk about a program for students uh, who design a mural. Uh, at, at the end of the, the project. So clearly you're actually enamored with this art form. Why do you love it so much? Um, I don't know. It just, uh, it's something that I think, I mean, I love Chicago, right? And this 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 is something that just sort of crept out of, I mean, again, there have been murals for decades, right? I mean, Chicago is one of the um, places where community murals and community public art really started and has blossomed from there. But just in the past five, six, eight, ten years, this is, uh, you know, it's like on steroids, and it's and I love it, mm-hmm. and it's turned. I mean, again, you know, walking through a dank viaduct, you know, you used to probably want to walk quickly to get through it. Yeah. But now many of those dank viaducts aren't dank anymore, and they're filled with art. I mean, uh, underpasses, viaducts, uh, retaining walls, these sort of places that just would be crumbling otherwise, or soaked with you know water or whatever, are now filled throughout the city and all in most neighborhoods with uh, something that uh, at least many people regard as, as beautiful. Yeah. What, if anything, would you say sets Chicago apart in this space? Um, well, I have a colleague who's from Philadelphia who would, who would point out that <laughs> Philadelphia has a lot of public art and, and probably, uh, you know, um, in some ways before, uh, before here, but, but Chicago, I mean, I, I travel all over and, uh, it's just prolific here and it's constantly changing and evolving. And um, so, I mean, I just think the volume of it here, but also the caliber of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are some really, really good artists. I mean, I, we profiled a, a young woman who did her very first um, mural and it was in Maywood, uh, which is a Western suburb. And just, and we did a little write up on her a couple of years ago. It was a Frida Kahlo, the, the late Mexican artist. It was an image of her plus mm-hmm. some butterflies and blah, 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 but it was really, really good. So, 
Um, there are people who are super established and, you know, do gallery work as well as street work. And then there are people like this um, young woman who, who just, you know, are just getting started. And, um, you know, I like that. I really like that. Yeah. that you can have high caliber stuff from both. That's wonderful. Let's jump to the phones, Bob. Uh, Deep D wants to join us. She's calling from Bolingbrook. Hi, Deep D. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, so I'm part of Bolingbrook Art Commission. So I'm a commissioner with the Bolingbrook Art Council. And we have recently commissioned a beautiful mural on the village hall, which says welcome. And it's a welcome in different languages. Oh, wow. And it was I'm so happy that instead of, you know, music and all is great, but you enjoy it at the time and then you walk away. And I always wanted wearable, enjoyable, and something that we can have the art, which you people can see for over and over. Yes. Just like your um, participant said that the viaducts were something place that you want to run away from. And now you want to slow down and look at that. And if you know Bolingbrook, it's a land of warehouses and cornfields. But now my hope is someday we will convert all those um, boring and blah-looking warehouses mm-hmm. to something art farm like Walls of Wynwood, the Miami suburb. Oh, yes. The Walls of Wynwood in, in Miami is, is, is absolutely gorgeous. And if you can get Bolingbrook to look like that, that would be fantastic. I'd be there every day. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Deep T. I mean, but Bob, Deep T brings up a great point, right? That lasting impact. Yeah, and also she, the fact that the suburbs, you know, we there are certain neighborhoods in the city that are just, um, you know, filled with public art. Your Pilsons and Rogers Parks, um, but the suburbs are really embracing this, um, and some of it is very kind of promotional. Welcome to whatever um, doesn't mean that it's not pretty though, mm-hmm. or, or you know, and it does sort of change the vibe of of a building, a, a neighborhood, a town. And so I see this all the time, and a lot of what we focus on now also uh, is art in the suburbs, and you know. 10 years ago, it wouldn't have even been a thought for a lot of these places. And now it's a priority. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Lobb is from WBEZ here saying that Oak Park does mini murals along the uh, Green Line. And I know last week in your cool weekly newsletter there, you you highlighted Joliet-based artist Matthew Jesilowski. His mural in Pilsen was uh, inspired, I know, by a a Shel Silverstein poem. Is that right? Well, it it was... He grew up um, reading Shel Silverstein books and seeing the, you know, the illustrations. Shel Silverstein, obviously a poet, a writer uh, from Chicago who did um, a lot of kids' books and stuff like that and uh, and also was an illustrator. And um, the illustrations and the line work, I believe, um, helped inspire him and sort of his style. And What does uh, that mural look like? It's a bunch of uh, hundreds of crazy faces. <laughs> There's actually like three or four segments to it. Um, it's along, I think, Cermak Road. But yeah, we did that recently, which is the other thing. It's not just a newsletter we do. We have this Murals and Mosaics series. We have a weekly feature in the Sunday paper online, plus a free weekly newsletter that- uh, Comes out every Friday, right? Comes out every Friday and highlights the story of the week, but also a lot more. You're also writing about how utility boxes are increasingly becoming a, a site of public art. I mean, utility boxes, is, it sounds like possibly the least artsy or creative thing that one could think of. But what's going on there? Well, they're just um, utility boxes, slabs of metal or steel or whatever on, on a street corner that controls maybe the street lights or, you know, the electricity in the area or whatever. And, uh, you know, just boring things on the sidewalk. And so a lot of places in Evanston has them. I mean, the city, all over the city. Um, I was actually in uh, in Belfast recently for vacation and uh, 
the utility boxes there are decorated, you know, painted up by street artists and stuff. So it's just a something that, um, you know, is bland. So why leave it that way? Let's hear from Virginia in Rogers Park. Hey, Virginia. Welcome to Reset. Hi there. Hi, hi there, Sasha Ann. Love the show. Oh, thank you. So glad. And I'm so glad that Hergus called out Rogers Park as the land of murals, because we <laughs> indeed are the land of murals up in here with the red line going through. So there's all that real estate to paint. Yeah. And Do you have some favorites? Am, oh, I'm so lucky. When I come out the back door of my house and look down the alley towards the red line, the first thing I see is the face of Barack Obama. Mm, lovely. And it, it's in this particular neighborhood because he made his announcement that he was running for state Senate at the Heartland. Yes. It was for many, many, many years here. Uh, you know, sort of this, the, the place where the elite meet. Right, right. And so it, it just starts my day with a smile. You are spoiled being there in Rogers Park. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Virginia. Uh, you've got a mural tracker on the website, on the Sun-Times website, Bob. Uh, why is it important, you think, to, to have the locations accessible to the public? I just think people want to know first the breadth of uh, of the amount of public art, and I'm going to be up front right now. It is incomplete as a map. I mean, it's an interactive map. We've got probably about a thousand locations mapped out. There's um, that many yeah, that on, are on still our, left on our map, but and some. I mean, they come and go, so we leave them up there even if they go. But um, and it's hard to know sometimes when they do because overnight they could they could swap out. But there are probably thousands of others that we're still chipping away at and trying to catalog and write about and photograph. And, so you're still trying to keep up with what's new out oh, there. Totally. I mean, it's constantly evolving and changing, which is a great thing. I don't want to be done with it. Yeah. Any sense at all of, of how many murals there are in the city? No. There are thousands. I mean, thousands. the city does have a mural registry where people could register their murals, and that way the city knows it's not, you know, it's something sort of, uh, you know, okay, and they're not going to sandblast it off or whatever. But, uh, but yeah. you know, um, by my count, I mean, like I said, I've got about a thousand on our sometimes interactive map already, and that's not that's just the tip of the iceberg. Last week, we talked on Reset about a proposed ordinance that would save vintage signs throughout the city. Uh, It also applies to murals and uh, painted signs on the sides of businesses. So, I mean, just give us a sense, just based on the research you've done over the years. I mean, how long do murals usually last? And and, and are there a lot of vintage ones in the city? There are a fair amount of vintage ones. I mean, we did a piece, what was the street? Now I forget, but uh, that was done in the 70s. I think it's called Education for the People or something like that, um, done by Mexican artists. And uh, that was from, gosh, 76, 77. That's still up. There are um, certainly older ones, but, uh, you know, a mural can – I've talked to street artists who (laughs) have done some brilliant work, and the next day it's gone. Somebody paints it over or tags it up or the city blasts it off or the the building owner does it. Because, I mean, let's be honest, some of this stuff is not necessarily – like legal, <laughs> so they just do it on. There's that, you know, you know. There is that, but so sometimes it's gone, or sometimes it lasts for fifty years. You know, so it just depends. Before we let you go, Bob, tell us about any other muralists you want to shout out. Who should we keep our eye on? I like this guy Juan de la Mora. Um, you know, I like a lot of folks, but um, he did a piece we wrote about. He actually did a pedestrian tunnel in Glen Ellen, and so it's like the circular. I forget how long it is. It was just really cool. But he also has. One of my favorites in a Little Village, I mean, I think it's still up. It was done in black and white. It almost looks like chalk. And it's these farmers that are, um, you know, getting at the um, 
the vegetation that's used to make uh, mescal. Mm-hmm. And so I really, uh, it's just very different. Mm. So I dig that. But there are a lot of, I mean. I got to go check of, it out. Yeah, a lot of really good ones. That's Bob Hergoth, a Chicago Sun-Times reporter who also writes their weekly newsletter that's highlighting murals and mosaics across Chicagoland. Thanks so much for stopping by, Bob. Thanks for having me. Let's hear now from two great artists. Ramon Static is a prolific muralist and street artist here in Chicago. He's known for works like the Great Wall of Chicago on 87th and Vincennes and Kobe and Gianna Bryant on 49th and Indiana. Sandra Antongiorgi is also with us. You might recognize her work from the Chicago Reader's 2017 Best Mural, Weaving Cultures in Pilsen, and Rebirth in Hyde Park. Ramon, what drew you to this art form? What drew me to this art form in the first place? That is a pretty wide question. Um, I would say, um, well, for starters, I used to be a comic book illustrator. Mm-hmm. Um, I like art in general. Um, I liked, um, and I originally started off as a graffiti writer. It was a graffiti artist right there. I caught a case for it back in the 90s. And uh, thanks to the Delhi administration putting me in jail for a day, they kind of made it, a, they kind of made a mural monster, right? So um, while I was sitting in jail for that one night, I thought it'd be cool to come back instead of um, tagging everybody's walls with just my name, was to be a, a prolific mural artist. And they inside my name to each mural right there. Ah. So that's why I'm still here. And that's why I've been getting busy since like uh, 1997. You're like, I'm going to paint a whole picture now. The whole <laughs> thank, city. Thank you. Yeah, the whole city. Thanks, Daly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for feeding glasses. Yeah. Sandra, you are a musician as yes. well as a, a visual artist. I mean, why do you include murals in your practice? <clears throat> I think it's just about... Um, First off, it's a beautiful way to express yourself. It's a, it's a beautiful way to reach, you know, hundreds of, or, or even thousands of people and to, um, uh, I guess, create something that can create some kind of dialogue or that um, touches people. And I think it's, and why that's important to me is because of what it did for me. You know, just, just the idea that I can um, find a way to, release, mm. you know, and, and to speak and to give voice. So um, that's kind of how I led into it. I was led into it that yeah. way. So how are you choosing uh, who and what you're going to feature in your work? I mean, I think that what you do is you you go into the community and you talk to the members of the community. And based on that, you see where we are, where they are, and what needs to be highlighted, mm-hmm. what needs to be celebrated, you know, if there's something that, Talk that more needs about that. to like, be addressed. What are the stories that you, you, you are telling? Or what do you like to tell? What stories? I mean, so, so it all depends. Like, I think what happens is, um, for example, we went into um, Pilsen and did this Weaving Cultures piece, Sam Kirk and I, and that was uh, a response to the mural that was directly across the street that featured... Uh, profiles of of indigenous men mm-hmm. um, showing different expressions. So we wanted to do something that really celebrated women in culture. You know, different cultures, different you know um, expressions and mm-hmm. stuff. And so that's why we got into that. And and that was a really powerful piece. You know, it was powerful. You could see what it was doing while people were walking by. You could actually see the. The reaction and and the how how engaged they were in the work, you know. Yeah. So that's one, and the other one that I I think you mentioned um, a little while ago is about um, disabilities or or abilities, you know, people with different abilities. So it it just depends on on where you're going, what you're walking into, um, and what that 
community needs. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk more, Ramon, about your your graffiti aesthetic that you mentioned that you you include uh, in your work. Why is that important to you? And and how has the um, the response from the city? We talked earlier about daily uh, times, but how has the response from the city changed over time? Yeah, um, that graffiti aesthetic at this point is more of the use of the spray can Mm -hmm. and production of um, making murals. Um, Outside of that, you know, there's little no graffiti actually involved with a lot of the murals that I I make. Um, I may do some explorations into typography and into um, painting specific fonts to convey a specific message. Now, um, the odd thing is that during um, from Delhi to now, right. Richard Daly, right? Under, under Richard Daly's regime, um, he had a um, Vandal Squad and um, Graffiti Blasters, right? Um, Vandal Squad was a um, special division of the Chicago Police that would um, that was going hard on arresting anybody that was just tagging a wall, like kids, adults, whatever, right? Um, and um, back then, Streets and Sanitation was working as Graffiti Blasters, right? Where it was going on their way to uh, buff anything or paint over anything that looked like it was done with a spray can. Uh-huh. Um, even to a point in which um, un- under that regime... Under the Delhi regime, if you were just painting a mural with a spray can, police would run up on you, you know, and, like, ask you what you're doing, where you get the spray paint from, why you're vandalizing the wall, and then it would be a totally legal wall, right? Now, as of Delhi leaving, between Rahm Emanuel, Lightfoot, and our current mayor, that just wasn't at the top of the priority list in the city of Chicago, right? So, like, um, so basically under Rahm Emanuel, you stop hearing about um, graffiti, you stop hearing about um, Vandal Squad, which is Chicago PD, right? You stop hearing about... Writers getting arrested like that. A lot of that happened yeah. per ward, not necessarily not necessarily all over the city, right there, right? Okay. Um, on the Lightfoot, especially after the riots, it it was all gone. The, the entire thing got dissolved right there. So you had a lot of cases of um, people painting legal murals, right? Where like where 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 Chicago police just wasn't their priority. Uh, currently, right? Um, where I'm at now is that um, now you know I'm I'm cool with police pulling up on me, right? They want to you know pull up on me. Uh, have an intellectual conversation, ask what the mural's about. You yeah. know, it's a complete 180, right? Like, versus when I was uh, 19 years old with a spray can, opposed to me being uh, 42 years old right now with a spray can. Yeah. Um, it's a totally different experience right right, right there. Even and I the think way that, that they approach you. Even the way they approach me, right? And I think that's directly connected with the political regime that was in power during that time. So under, under Delhi's watch, it was important for Chicago to um, look clean but still be dangerous. Mm. So as, as, a, as, a, as a resident, what would you rather, right? Would you rather um, live in a clean, dangerous city or a city that may not be that clean, but at least you're safe? <laughs> what, what, you know, what, what, are you, you. what are you really going for right there? I hear there? you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I want to make sure everyone listening has a sense of, of scale and time that these can take, right? I mean, Ramon, I know 200 hours is about standard. Yeah, yeah. Like, like all of your favorite murals that I've done, looks like it has a lot of layers on it. Yeah. That's at least 200 hours. Wow. Yeah. Sandra, uh, what about uh, you? I don't know if I've counted the hours so much as I've counted the months. <laughs> ah, okay. There you go. So, um, I think I average between two to three months. Three months more so for the portraits or anything that has to do with, you know, that kind of almost realism kind of work. Um, but, yeah, and this is from, you know, sunrise to yeah. sunset. So I want to get your, your take on this. This is a question and comment from one of our producers. Uh, she used to live right off of Western Ave, and, and there used to be a mural by a number of different artists near her apartment. Now, it only took a few weeks for it to be up before it was spray-painted over. They also use, uh, they spray-painted murals are gentrification. Mm. Anybody have thoughts on that? 
Hmm. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> th- 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 something from like um, a graffiti writer's perspective, right? Where like in some cases, people have used, uh, or not in some cases, in all cases, a commission mural, someone outsources you, some- someone pays me to do a mural right there. They're hiring me to paint this mural. Um, you know, one, maybe they love murals right there. Yeah. Another angle, it may be a, a flex of some sort, right? Um, a lot of times people hire artists to produce art to use art as a tool right there, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, that's just the nature of doing commercial art. So you can say murals are justification. You can say, you can say the same thing about commercial art in general. Um, fact, the, the reality is we're in America, there's capitalism, right? People want to get paid for their work. So, like, you know, the tables are turned. That same person that made that statement, murals, murals are justification, if they were to get paid to do a mural, they would be happy to gingerfy right there, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, hey, sometimes people would be uh, envious of the attention the good murals may get. Let's jump back to the phones and hear from Rosie in Austin. Hey, Rosie. Hello. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for calling. Yes. So we have a new Mandela mural off of Cicero in Ohio. Um, it was commissioned by Westside Health Authority. And we just put it there because, you know, it's Mandela Row. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for calling and, and, and talking about that, Rosie. Um Sandra, I mean, you're hearing all the the love so far yeah. for this for this um, this art form. I mean, have you heard personally about the impact that your work has had on the the residents when they see murals Definitely. on their way to and from work or they're walking around the neighborhood? What do they say? I mean, I think that's what keeps me in this because it's it's not the easiest. Um, uh, they must find it cool when they meet you and they find out that you are the artist behind that particular. Yeah, I think thing. sometimes they're surprised. <laughs> I think sometimes they're surprised because of the scale of the mural, and I don't think that they expect to see they're a like, woman up there this? doing the work, right? But I mean, I've had everything. I've had young girls come up to me, and and or even like one of the stories is like this this beautiful young girl grabbed her dad by the by the hand and was pulling him and saying, "Mira, papi, like it's me. I'm up on that mural. You know, I'm up on that wall." And so. He would come, and, and I've had people that have thanked me or thanked us mm-hmm. for doing the work because it's, you know, it's visibility. We're giving voice. We're, we're putting a face, you know, on, on people who are, you know, marginalized or, or people who don't have a voice or are not really featured on walls or even in magazines or mainstream media. So, yeah. so we have an opportunity to kind of shift, you know, that awareness or, or, or shift that, that thought. And um, I think there's a lot of power in that. And so... Um, it's a lot of responsibility. It is. It is, but that's, you, you know, we already know that. <laughs> and I don't think it's, I don't think everyone approaches it that way, but certainly, you know, I know Ramon and I do. I mean, I'm not speaking you for you, Ramon, but I've seen your work and I love your work. Same here. So. It neutral. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's a lot of, of thought that goes into the work and, and it does provoke conversations and it, and it does, you know, get people... Um, thinking about things differently, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Here's Karen in Uptown. Hey, Karen. Welcome to Reset. Hi, thanks. My favorite mural is the Hubbard Street mural. It's uh, the walls below the Metro tracks. And um, I used to, and it's, it's endangered. The original theme, it was started in the early 70s, and the original theme was endangered species and environments. Um, and it was just so beautiful. I would see it every day when I drove to work on Halstead and went under the viaduct. And um, it seems to be a work in progress. It's yeah. evolved over the years. And um, now there's a project, I think, to 
restore what can be restored of the original and enhance it with new murals. But it's just so beautiful, and it's involved several generations mm-hmm. now of young volunteer artists. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm so glad you, you're shouting that out on air. Thank you so much, Karen. Uh, you, Ramon, have been mentoring young artists, which is something that I think is pretty pretty dope. So, I mean, leave us with this. Like, what is the message that you're trying to impart? To young artists? Mm-hmm. Um, Those just starting out. To um, dream big, you know, like dream big, even if it, even if it seems unrealistic. Um, respect your um, your the, the ancestors of your trade. Um, basically, do your homework on the individuals that had the same compassion um, that you had. They, they were around before your time uh, creating art, and um, be creatively androgynous, mm, right? Bet. Like um, mm. meaning that um, should nobody. Look at your work as an artist and be able to tell your demographics based off of certain symbolic tools you may have in your artwork right there, right? So, for instance, as an artist, I have no color bias. I have no um, message bias, right? Yeah. Wherever the message and my spirit tells me where the narrative where the narrative is supposed to go, I'll take it there, no yeah. matter what the feedback may be. I love that. Ramon Static and Sandra Anton-Georgi are Chicago muralists. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic and Nadia Hernandez. It was edited by Meha Ahmed and Ethan Schwab. If you like this conversation with Chicago artists, subscribe to our podcast and meet more of the local creatives that we have on the show. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.